Welcome to the I Will Be Your Church podcast, Virtual Sanctuary. Be strengthened today with the truth of God's love so that you can say to your families, your friends, your co-workers, and your social media worlds, I will be your church. Your host for today's episode is Ben Church. Hi, this is Ben. And lately I've been pondering the question of what is God's will? Many people will talk about God's will. Maybe we can never know what God's will is, or we can only know some of what God's will is. And you'll hear many different statements from different people about what God's will is. But I'm here to tell you today that you can know God's will. In fact, God wants us to know his will. Just like you as a father or a mother want to teach your kids everything that you know. In fact, you want them to surpass the knowledge and the experiences that you have and go above and beyond, don't you? Because that's love. You want the very, very best for your children, better than you had. Well, if that's our human nature, how much more is the God who created us, our Heavenly Father, interested in sharing His heart, His mind, His fullness with His children? And so it got me thinking about how, how to know God's will. And lately, as Joanne and I have been talking together The idea of the Garden of Eden has been a recurring theme with what God has been dealing with my heart. So I went all the way back to the beginning of the Bible and found out what God's original will is. Let me let you in on a little secret. The Bible is God's will, 100%. You can trust every single word in it. You can base your life on it. You can base your finances on it. You can base your heart, your mind, your soul, your body on the Bible. It is God. It's his word. They are one and the same, and they always testify of him, what he thinks, what he believes, what he says, and what he does. And that never changes. God is who he is. He does not change. So if you see it in the Bible, it's still for today. If it's describing what God is thinking or saying, what his will is towards his people, those who love him and have a heart after him, want to follow him, that is for you today, even though it was written maybe 4,000 years ago, maybe 2,000 years ago. It's just as important today. In fact, it will still be important for the rest of eternity because it is who God is. It's just in a written form so that we can understand it. So going all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, we have the creation story. And you know that was God's perfect will? He created this beautiful planet in a way that we do not even experience it today. It was a different world when this earth was created before sin entered in and before the flood happened. When the worldwide flood happened, it literally changed this planet. And even though there are many areas of this planet that are a paradise, that are so beautiful and wonderful, it does not compare with what the world used to be before the flood, and especially before sin, during the time of the Garden of Eden. There's a a good YouTube channel called Is Genesis History? 
many scientists have come together and really sought out the different evidences throughout the earth, comparing it to what the scripture has said, and they're testing it, they're hypothesizing, and they are putting forth theories and possibilities of what the earth was like before the flood and then how the flood actually changed it. I recommend any Christian, in fact, any person interested in science, interested in finding out the truth, check out Is Genesis History on YouTube. Very entertaining and wonderful and educational videos that will change the way you see not only creation, but this earth and the flood and the effects of sin that it had on this planet. But it all takes you back to what God's original intention for humanity and creation was. So I'm just going to read a few scriptures here. But first, I I would just like to point out this. Very simply, at the beginning of the Bible, we see God's perfect will for humanity before sin. It was a wonderful garden paradise. and So good, we cannot comprehend how good it was. And humans were given authority over it. And God dwelt with them. He walked with them in the garden in the cool of the day. They spoke to him because he was their father. And that was the stage of the setting of God's perfect will for humanity. It was only after sin that that death and corruption and thistles and thorns and all the the hard toil of this earth entered in. That That was from the effects of sin. But if you remove sin, we see the true perfection that God gave us to live in and to work in, to multiply and have families and to dwell with God. Now, you see the effects of sin. This whole creation plummeted into darkness, turmoil, chaos. The enemy took control of this world. That is true. Many people argue that point, but the Bible specifically says in the New Testament, that the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. In fact, it even says that Satan, the enemy, the God of this world, had the power of death. He actually doesn't, at this time, have the power of death, but at a time he did. And he was called the God of this world. In fact, even in the New Testament, after Jesus' resurrection, he's still called the God of this world. So, There is an authority that the enemy is operating under because of humanity's bowing their knee to the will of the enemy and rejecting God's perfect will for each and every one of us. So that was the, that was after the fall of man, sin entered in, removed God's presence and removed God's garden from our lives. And now we have a state of sin and death and toil and fear and all those terrible things in the earth. Not to mention the enemy's working in many different ways. But then you turn all the way back to the end of the Bible and we see a different picture in the book of Revelation chapters 21 and 22. We see a new heaven and a new earth. We see God making a wonderful, beautiful city, 1,200 miles cubed, that comes down and, and 
dwells with the earth. That's God's city, the new Jerusalem. God is in the city. And all of creation is remade into a perfect creation once again. God is dwelling with mankind. We are his people. He is our father. In fact, the sun doesn't even have to shine anymore because God is the sun. That's God's perfect will. But something neat happened right in the middle of the Bible. The person Jesus Christ. He's like the bridge that brings Genesis, the Garden of Eden, all the way to the New Jerusalem, God dwelling with in the earth and with humanity for all eternity. And that only happens through the person of Jesus Christ, the bridge from the beginning to the end, through his death, burial, and resurrection, through his shed blood, he made the way for all humanity through faith in him to come to God's will once again and partake in the beauty and the splendor and the peace of the garden where God lives. So quickly, I would like to read a few scriptures talking about that. That is God's will. Let's find out what God's purpose was. So all the way in Genesis chapter 1, it says, God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And then they had all the good plants to eat. And then going over to the next chapter, chapter 2, God said, And the Lord took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. That was his job. So humanity's job was to live and prosper, multiply, make more of us, raise our families under the tutelage and oversight of God in the paradise that he created for us and have dominion over it. That means you're the boss of it. You're the boss of the job that God gave you to do. That's pretty amazing. Now, obviously, sin is involved. We live in a fallen world. We don't live in the Garden of Eden any longer. But through the person of Jesus Christ, the Garden of Eden is accessible to us once again. That is God's will. It's never stopped being God's will for us to live in paradise, to have responsibility and dominion, and to be fruitful and multiply. And that's a blanket statement that's 100% true. Now, obviously, there's many different aspects that we could go on many different teaching topics on how that is realized in our everyday lives. And each and one, every one of us is different. It might be with your work. It might be with your family. It might be with hobbies. It might be with your church. It might be so many different ways on how God wants you to go forth to have dominion, to be fruitful, to multiply, to dress, and to keep what God has given you responsibility over. And I'm telling you right now, if you are not doing those things, you are not fulfilling God's will for you. Everywhere you should go, you should be treating it like it's God's will, and you're going to have dominion, you're going to take authority, you're going to shine the light 
You are going to be the difference. You're going to bring life to all that is around you, just like Jesus did. Isn't it interesting that Jesus loved to hang out in gardens? He loved it. He loved the gardens on the Mount of Olives. He felt most at peace in the Garden of Gethsemane before his passion. He loved gardens. He was always around gardens. And then everywhere he go, it seemed like he took that garden, that paradise, that touch of God, that touch of life, the salt of the earth with him. And people's lives were changed everywhere he goes. Recently, I was at work. I haven't been in the office lately. So I'm out doing different things out and about. And sometimes, you know, you go through the motions at work and, you know, you, you feel like maybe you're trying to do your best. You're trying to shine the light, but things are hard. Obviously, the world's dark. There are challenges that arise, but you try, keep trying to do your best, right? Well, recently, I went into the office and then someone just said, as I walked into the room full of people, they said, oh, well, we're so glad that Ben is here. Doesn't he just seem to change the atmosphere and things seem better when he's here? And it just kind of like, it kind of startled me. I wasn't expecting that. And in a sense, it was a little bit of embarrassing that someone would say that in front of other people, you know, because you're not trying to go for those things. But then on the other hand, it did feel good. That's what you should be doing to people. You should always be bringing hope and life to all those around you. You should always be speaking good and speaking about what God's plans are. And God's plans are always good. They are always good. There's another scripture in Isaiah, chapter 58. And it's talking about fasting here and the effects of doing a fast to the Lord correctly. But let me just read the scripture because this has been one of my life scriptures. This is God's will on how he treats people that follow him and trust in him. Isaiah chapter 58, this starts in verse 6. Isn't this not the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke? Is it not to deal your bread to the hungry, that you may bring the poor that are cast out to thy house, when you see the naked that you cover him, that you hide not yourself from your own flesh? And then here's God's promise, when you do those things correctly, when you're, when you're walking in God's will. Then shall your light break forth as the morning. Your health shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. You shall call, and the Lord shall answer. You shall cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If you take away from the midst of you the yoke, putting forth of the finger, and speaking vanity, and if you draw your soul to the hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall your light rise in obscurity, and your darkness shall be as the noonday. And the Lord shall guide you continually, and satisfy your soul in drought, and make fat your bones, and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water, whose waters fail not. Wow. And they that shall be of you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. Isn't that just another picture of the Garden of Eden? That's God's will for his children. It always has been. It always will be. The difference between us now, though, living in this fallen world, having to deal with the effects of sin, the curse, 
is that we don't see it all around us. It's a more internalized garden that we need to let come out of us to all those around us. Just like it said, we will be like a watered garden. Not all the world around us will be like a watered garden. No, you and I will be the Garden of Eden. We will be like a spring of water whose waters fail not. In the Psalms, I remember it talks about, will be like a, a tree planted by the rivers of water, whose waters fail not and whose leaf doesn't fail, and we bear fruit in and out of season. That's not all the world around you. That's you. That's your life. That's you in the good times and the bad times. In fact, in Romans chapter 14, the Apostle Paul calls the kingdom of God, which is the kingdom that we live in, he calls it righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. He says it's not with meat or drink. It's not with the physical things that we're dealing with. That's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not your job. It's not your riches. It's not the wealth that you amass. It's righteousness. It's being in right standing with God. That means there's nothing in between me and God. I'm righteous. He made me the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. It's peace. That means no matter what storm or trial or tribulation or attack from the enemy or sickness and disease or infirmity or weakness, there's a peace that's greater that's within me. That's the kingdom of God. And it's the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's the kingdom of God. The kingdom is not downcast, downtrodden, discouraged, disheartened. No, the kingdom of God is joy. Is it joy all around you in the world? No, it's joy in you. And then we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. And that's found in Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit. Now remember... The fruit is not, the Garden of Eden isn't bearing fruit all around us in the world. Remember, we are now are God's garden. God's will is fulfilled in us. And we then present that as a witness and as an example, as a statement unto the world. And not only that, but we walk in the spirit. We don't walk in the flesh. So we need to be spiritually minded. We need to be led by the spirit. We need to be spiritual people. Not out of our mind or out of our bodies, but out of our spirits. That's where the Holy Spirit is. That's where God leads us. And so where do we bear fruit? Out of our spirits. It's God's spirit in our spirits causing us to have a reality, not only in our own hearts, our minds, and our bodies, but then this comes out of us to all those around us. And what is that? It's love. It's joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, gentleness, goodness, and faithfulness, meekness, temperance. And he goes on to say that against such there is no law. It cannot be legislated to us or away from us. It cannot be destroyed or taken from us because it's within us. And then he goes on to say, And they that are Christ's, or who belong to Jesus, have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. But if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. That's how we realize the Garden of Eden, God's perfect will for each and every one of us. 
First of all, we have to find out that that's God's will. For some of you, you've never heard that before, that God wants us to live in the Garden of Eden, that that was his will from the beginning, that it will be his will for eternity, and that Jesus made the way for us to experience that right now within us and coming out from us to all those around us. Now, others, you may have heard differently. You may have heard that God wanted people to sin, that God needed people to sin, that it was his will for people to sin, and that it's his will for people to go to hell, and that it's his will for all the terrible things happening in the earth. But my friends, that's a lie. God's will is for good. His will is that no one should perish, but that all should come unto salvation and repentance, every single person. But you don't have to choose God's will. Even now, hearing this, you don't have to believe it. You can say, no, I don't believe that God wants me to have anything good. I don't believe that that's for today. I don't really think that the Bible's accurate. You'll never experience God's will for your life. You'll never have it. But if you open your ears and open your heart and say, God, what is your will? Dig into the scriptures. Find out for yourself that God is love. He is light. In him is no darkness at all. And then on the other hand, there is an enemy of darkness, a God of this world who is trying to steal, kill, and destroy because he's a liar and he's a thief. And there's people on both sides mixed up in this. But Christ died for all. His blood was shed for the sins of all humanity, past, present, and future. And by the preaching of the gospel, People will hear that good news, and God will change their hearts, and they will be saved. But without the preaching of the gospel, they will not hear, and they will not be saved, and they will be eternally separated from God. But that's not God's will. God's will is that everyone should be saved. So be that garden today. Find out that this is God's will. Find out that he has a plan for you to bless you, to prosper you, to develop his kingdom with inside of you, and then to establish that kingdom in every area of your life. Everything that you do, that you touch, that you say, where you go, the relationships, the contacts, everything. God will start working and moving and blessing and causing increase and sometimes causing persecution because people will start to attack that because people love darkness and they don't they don't like light but you have to shine the light so sometimes shining the light and being that garden can be a negative thing in a sense because people and the enemy will always come against it but that gives God the glory even more because you you're like a house built on the rock when all those storms and the trials and the persecutions come you still stand and you stand and you stand and then they all of a sudden when the storm's over and they're all washed away and they say see you up on the rock standing and praising God with righteousness peace and joy in the Holy Ghost that is a witness that God is good and that he takes care of those who love him and that he desires everyone to experience that so find it out believe that trust in him And ask him to reveal his will to you, because he'll change your heart. You'll do things you've never believed you could do before. He'll take you to places that you never thought you could go to. But he loves you, so he will. So be the garden of Eden. Be that garden that God 
can show the world because he wants you to be a witness to the world, to show his love and to bring him glory because he's worthy of it. So go be that church, go be that garden in your world today. If you feel blessed by the I Will Be Your Church podcast, please subscribe so that you never miss a day. And then share it with your friends. Check out our website, IWillBeYourChurch.com to learn more about us, check out Ben's blog, connect with us on social media, and become a part of this church family movement.